the button. Hello and welcome to the Four O'Clock Podcast with me, Richard Goff. In this edition of the Four O'Clock Podcast, we take a look at instant photography. We also meet British artist Andrew J. Miller, who uses a combination of instant film, along with gold and silver leaf and paint, to create delicately detailed collage pieces that capture a haunting mix of reality and fantasy. In Boston, Dr. Edwin Land claims to have invented a new camera which will revolutionize photography. It all looks quite ordinary, right up to the time he takes a picture. In 1947, the American inventor Edwin Land demonstrated an instant camera and associated film to the Optical Society of America. Called the Land Camera, it was in commercial sale less than two years later. The invention began one of the most essential and iconic genres of photography, the instant photograph. For me, my love for instant photography started when I was 14. Using money saved from my summer job as a restaurant dishwasher, I purchased a second-hand Polaroid land camera. Already a keen photographer, I had learned how to develop black-and-white film and make prints in my dad's darkroom at home. But the allure of having an almost instant image was exciting, even if the black-and-white film was costly, thus limiting my use of the camera. But it was fun to own and have access to almost instant images so I think that Polaroid made a key selling point around the holidays. Merry Christmas, Fozzie! Oh, boy! What is it? It's a birdhouse! It's a Polaroid camera! Take a picture! Ow! Just point it and press the button! That's gotta be over his head! Point it at what? At us! Ah, now what? It is over his head! Press, press the, the button. button! Hey, this is easy! I'm beautiful! Take more! You see Polaroid's pictures along with the presents, and there's no simpler camera. No simpler bear! Polaroid means fun! With the button! During the 1960s and 70s, Polaroid was the coolest technology company on Earth, much like Apple is today. Polaroid was an innovation machine that cranked out one must-have product after another, and in 1972 they launched possibly the most iconic camera of all time the Polaroid SX-70. And now, a compact, folding, electronically controlled, motor-driven, single-lens reflex camera, capable of focusing from infinity down to 10 inches, has been developed to exploit integral, self-processing film units, which, when exposed, are automatically ejected from the camera with no parts to peel or discard, and whose final images emerge without timing in daylight, where the viewer can see them materialize within the same transparent, protective plastic cover through which the film was originally exposed. Despite the huge success of cameras like the SX-70, Polaroid soon succumbed to the old digital world that emerged as we came into the new millennium. They announced in 2008 that they would stop manufacturing film, and that it was the end of the line for instant photography from Polaroid. At the same time, the Impossible Project was born. A group of people that got together, got as much of the science of Polaroid film as they could, and started to produce 
impossible film. It was for this that artists like Andrew J. Miller turned to, who used instant photography and cameras like the SX-70 to make the foundation of artistic work. I caught up with him recently, and we discussed this. If you could just tell me about your interest in uh, instant photography and how you use it as your tool. Yeah, I mean, really, I use it as a sole purpose. It's, I see it as like a, a starting point. Um, so I don't just use it for the purpose of solely as a photograph. I enjoy the fact that you can play around with the image. Um, you can manipulate it manually. So, <clears throat> yeah, that's the sort of side that I enjoy, really. And how long have you been doing this for? Uh, I studied fine art in two, 2005, and I was using Polaroid through that period. So it's been, and then I stopped and started to do screen printing and then got back into Polaroid about two years ago. And, and was the Polaroid that you were using uh, when you were studying fine art different to the... Yeah, it was Polaroid? original. Yeah, original Polaroid. Wh which was the peel-apart type? No, just yeah. uh, 600 film. Yeah. I first started to use uh, with my student loan, which was not bad, because money that you can just dispose of quite quickly. Yeah. You didn't have to think about it, so you could just buy as much film as you wanted. Um, and then... I kind of forgot about it. Started doing some like collage work, and then just gradually sort of got back into it. And then heard of the company Impossible Project, who restarted instant so, film again. So, can you tell us about the Impossible Project and what they set out to do and what they do now? Well, from what I know, is that they took over the factory in the Netherlands. This is the Polaroid factory. Yeah, the old Polaroid factory, and they started to reproduce instant film again, Polaroid got rid of all the chemicals, like the process, so they actually had to start like, from scratch. Like that's, so <clears throat> the first film that was starting to be produced, the colour or black and white, you'd have an image for about a week and it would sort of gradually fade away. And that was the start of the film. And as they've gone on, it's just increasing quality. It's becoming more and more like, like really good to use. But I think for a lot of people, that whole starting period put a lot of people off because it was so difficult to get any form of image, like a real struggle. Mm. But I managed to sort of work with it and persist. I'm just going to jump in on Andrew's interview. You heard him mention the Impossible Project and Impossible Project film. That's really important. Without the Impossible Project, we wouldn't have modern-day Polaroid film. The Impossible Project was set up by 10 former Polaroid employers who shared a passion as well as the belief in the impossible dream. The Impossible Project took hold of a factory, got hold of Polaroid equipment, and reverse-engineered the science that made Polaroid film. An impossible challenge. But it was a project that actually managed to reproduce original Polaroid colour dyes that were no longer available and actually didn't have the earth components that could safely make the film again. 
So after thousands of experiments, and after a million small steps, not forgetting the support of partners, they successfully managed to develop a new impossible film system. The impossible project once again became Polaroid Originals, and now just Polaroid, for the dedication of many ex-Polaroid employees and the love of the product by artists like Andrew J. Miller. So if you use a modern-day Polaroid system today, you have a decade of impossible project work and dedication that made it happen. It's a great story, and maybe that will be done in a different four o'clock podcast. But back to Andrew. Why did you persist? Did, did you see something that... I, I was sacked from my job. You were sacked from your job? So I thought, I don't want to have to work for anyone again. And i just seen it as a way, if I work hard at this, something might come off from it. But you see yourself as more of an artist than a photographer. Probably half and half. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the instant uh, format, the Impossible Project film, Mm -hmm. and the cameras that you use are are tools like an artist would use a brush. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm doing certain images where it's like an overlay, so overlaying two images together, one image would have to be worked out to make sure that the second one falls into place. So, yeah, it's like using it as a tool. So when you're doing uh, an overlay image, mm-hmm. one or two or more images yeah. that you build upon, um, do you have a sketch that you're going to work on? Do you see it in your mind? Is it, Or do you just sort of work with what is a, an original image and then think, I think I could take that forward? Yeah, I'd say it's more like that. Like, yeah. I'd start with one and even in some ways that first image might not be strong enough as a singular image. And then so something will come to mind of how can it, you know, rather than waste it, how can you bring it out and make it visually more interesting than what it originally was? What, what was the first time you achieved that kind of multiple-layer image? What, what, was, what was it of? Do you still have it? Oh, you know, I can't remember the first... I think it was, I started to work with old um, burlesque pictures, so mm-hmm. like kind of the really old-fashioned photos, and I'd re-photograph them with a black and white instant film. And then on top of that, I would lay a colour, because I always kind of thought the two colour, it didn't quite work, but I loved the effect of having something that was black and white and then having colour that would just show through mm-hmm. so that was probably the first one was just working with that old imagery and then reproducing it and then using my own imagery because I used a lot of butterflies and sort of taxidermy and re-photographed them and so yeah it would be with that so it was that one here was probably the first so when your work's complete, yep. how do you sell it? How do you do you present it in the size of uh, the original instant image, or do you digitalize them and then sell them yeah, that's as larger one. images? Because you don't have a negative with these; you only have one 
image. Yeah. Um, the only way that I know is that you can do it is scan and then reproduce it as a digital format. And then are they sold as limited editions or as, no, as, I, as how many as you can sell? I sell them as cheap as possible, mm-hmm. but not as a limited edition. When I'm bored of looking at the image, that's when I'll stop printing them, which is normally quite quick. So what is the size of the image that you sell to the public? I do 10 by 12. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have that as set out as the Polaroid format. So people understand, as soon as they see it, they understand what it is. Because before I'd have pictures in mounts, and I still do, but they ha- they're slightly lost. I don't think people register. So having the aesthetic of the Polaroid yeah, image is kind of important for the sale. Yeah, and it allows people... So they sort of see it, they make a judgment first off, thinking it might be other means have produced the image, Photoshop, it, and it takes a while when people, they like the image, and then they'll ask questions, and that then, I can explain to them exactly, you know, what the format is, and then it becomes, they're quite intrigued then, because they, they don't realise that that's, you can achieve these sort of effects through instant film. Andrew's dedication to pushing the limits of Polaroid film has paid off. His work has become increasingly popular. His talent has earned him international recognition with solo exhibitions in Paris, Amsterdam, Berlin, Barcelona, New York and his hometown of London. His work is exceptional. Look for Andrew J. Miller online and you'll be able to see this for yourself. Today, the force of nostalgia is strong with instant cameras, and no matter the brand, Polaroid or Fuji Instax, instant pictures will always be referred to as Polaroids. Like the unexpected resurgence in the popularity of vinyl records, old school doesn't get much cooler than this. But why did Polaroid really close down their business operations? Well, even with the advent of digital cameras, the device of Polaroid was not a surprise, and the company, which had been a global household name, ceased to be. They had lost a fortune developing an instant movie film called Polavision. The problem with Polaroid strategy, as with most technology-based companies, was that they began to regard their business as a series of technology challenges and not market challenges. Polarism was to be Polaroid's most significant technological breakthrough, an instant movie system similar to Polaroid's instant camera. The instant movie film was an engineering achievement, but it's precisely what separated Polaroid techies from Polaroid pragmatists. There just weren't enough customers out there on whom to work the magic. And anyway, digital had arrived, and that was now much cooler. I'll leave you with this advert for Polarvision, broadcast in 1977. Instant movies are here, and Polaroid has made it all so simple. A lightweight automatic camera, an ingenious moving picture cassette that reproduces the images instantly, and a player that plays back the scenes seconds later. Introducing Polarvision, instant movies from Polaroid. There's no projector or movie screen to set up. You get a sharp image, rich, clear color. Start making your own instant movies with Polavision. Thank you for listening to this edition of the 4 O'Clock Podcast with me, Richard Goff. Until we listen together again, 
goodbye.